morning, good afternoon, good evening, North Stream, good ready. This Eagle Eyes on Tech, I am Eagle Falcon. We've got a lot to talk about today, and it's all Google's fault. I just want to be clear on that. The reason today's episode is inevitably going to go long is all Google's fault. But Epic Games didn't help either. Who secured more games as being exclusive only to their store while still preaching about being a competitive force in the game-selling market. Now, when Discord did this, first off, I still shook my head and went, No! Absolutely not. Having exclusive games to a specific store on the platform is not good. You might think, what's the big deal? There's exclusive games to the PlayStation Store or the Xbox Store all the time. Or, more notoriously, Nintendo. The thing is that... That's a limitation of what the developers are willing to develop for. There is no such limitation, because the same game that can be sold on the Epic Game Store can be sold on the Discord Store, on the Twitch desktop app store that you all completely forgot existed, on the Steam Store, on whatever. So the fact we continue to play this game of more things being exclusive to a store is not good for the industry or for competitiveness. We continue to want to live in this world and keep deluding ourselves into thinking that this is okay. It's not. This is starting to get a little bit out of hand. And the fact that Epic Games, while securing exclusivity preaches about being competitive is straight up insulting to my intelligence. You know what's even better? This week they announced that they will eventually stop exclusivity deals. We're going to stop having exclusive games in a year. I don't believe you. No one should believe this, by the way. Because if you're so against exclusivity deals that you're going to stop it eventually, then why not stop stop it now? The argument that exclusivity is a good thing because we'll stop doing it eventually is insulting. Straight up. Here's a real question for everyone. Are you okay with this? Am I the only one? Am I making a bigger deal out of this than I should be? I probably am. But the whole concept... 
of Epic Games being okay because, of course, we're giving a bigger port, a bigger cut to to the developer. But you keep scoring these exclusivity deals. Here's a better idea. Let it be the developer's choice. This would be a completely different story if, let's pretend, what's going to be a good example? Let's pretend Stardew Valley 2 is coming. I don't know if it is or isn't. But let's pretend Stardew Valley 2 is going to be coming out in a couple of months. And they decide, because they are a small developer, they would much rather keep a larger portion of their money, and they decide, you know, we are only going to sell on the Epic Game Store. We're not going to pay the however many dollars in, in listing fees on the Steam Store or any other store. We only want to go on the Epic Store because we get a bigger cut. I'd be a little disappointed, but at the same time, you can't help but say, all right, that's fine. Because it's the developer's decision. These exclusivity deals to say, you want to sign on with us, that's fine, but you can only sell on our platform and no other platform. That's not good for anyone. And it's just making the rest of us as consumers look at the Epic Game Store doing this sort of nonsense and just going, well... Why should we buy stuff from your store if you're pulling these sort of business practices that look sketch at best? Yeah, no. Now, at the same time of scoring exclusivity deals, Epic also announced that they are going to reject quote-unquote crappy games. Whatever those might be. Now, I'm hoping it does mean these sort of quick cash-in porn games that have occasionally popped up on Steam. And then after people made aware, hey, Steam, um, you're letting legitimate porn be on your store. And then they take it down. That's one thing. I do hope that this same declaration doesn't say look at Stardew Valley 2 and go, yeah, we only want good games. And your game of being the sequel to the, to the Smash indie hit Stardew Valley is not good enough for our store. Well then, while not being anti-competitive and being as big a deal as the exclusivity deals, that's still a really jerk move and makes us as consumers look at that and go, now wait a minute. That's not good. It's not good at all. Another report out of Epic Game that Epic Games has announced saying that 40% of their store users don't have Steam. So our tool that supposedly allegedly is skimming data off Steam is totally irrelevant because almost half of our user base doesn't have Steam. Mm. 
Now, there's a couple of things that strike me odd about this story. One, I have I have a hard time believing that 40% of people who have the Epic Game Store don't have Steam. Steam's just one of the biggest freaking... PC stores out there. The other thing that strikes me odd, and it's the obvious question, how do you know that? No, really. Epic Games, how do you know that? For someone who has a piece of software that is totally not skimming data off Steam, how do you know that 40% of your users don't have Steam? Now, maybe there's a feature within within it that, let's say, the, the, I, I honestly haven't even downloaded the Epic Game Store, mostly because the only reason people did it in the first place was to download Fortnite. I have no interest in playing Fortnite, even though I own a copy of Fortnite Monopoly, but that's, a, that's another weird story. So there might be a feature in the Epic Game Store to say... Look to see if you have Steam and say, hey, you know, you're looking at this game. You know, we got this game over here. Uh, uh, we got it for cheaper. Uh, uh, which at the same time would contradict the whole argument about Epic, the Epic Game Store not skimming data off Steam. Yeah, it's not looking good for you. Now, is it? Now, the Epic Game Store did manage to do one thing. There is, supposedly, a new layout coming to the Steam Store that people are saying is a direct result of them feeling pressure from other competing PC game stores everyone's attributing this to to epic game store it might i i honestly people might just be connecting dots that don't exist it might just be hey look steam's been wanting to do this for a while and they have it ready and they're ready to start showing it it might not have anything to do with the epic game store we don't know All right, let's shift gears drastically. Apple early this week announced brand new iPad Airs and iPad Minis. The iPad Air has a bigger screen clocking in at 10.5 inches over the 9.7 it used to be. The iPad Air and the iPad Mini both support the $100 stylus that Apple has. That I am not going to mention because 
it's a really dumb name. And it does not contain graphite and therefore isn't an Apple Pencil. Dang it, I just did it. The iPad Air also includes the keyboard dock connector that you'd normally find on, say, the iPad Pro. And both of them have a newer, higher-end processor. The latest, in fact. The iPad Air now has a price bump starting at $499, which is where it used to be, and the iPad Mini is still where it used to be. Or still is, actually, at $399. There really isn't much to say here except for one obvious note. You kind of notice how the iPad Air just became what the old iPad Pro used to be? Aside from the um, the quad speakers, it's literally exactly the same. Same high-end processor, same old form factor. Huh, why would they do that? It couldn't possibly be because people found out that the iPad Pro bends super easily. No, that couldn't be. No, because all the Apple fanboys tell me that that video from Jerry Riggs Everything is preposterous and no one would ever try to bend their iPad even though the iPads bend in shipment. Huh. Funny how that works. Funny, funny stuff. Also kind of funny that uh, macOS totally doesn't get viruses which is why Microsoft is launching a security software for macOS. Because, I mean, that's what you do when a platform gets no viruses, right? You launch virus protection for it. I think it's more funny the fact that Microsoft is getting into security software for macOS when their solution for Windows is... Well, I would say on a scale of 1 to 10, it ranks at adequate. That's about where you'd rate it too, right? Alright, well, the Microsoft the Microsoft Defender Advanced Threat Protection, or Defender ATP, is just going to basically be a very basic suite. I just find it more funny... That as every single Mac fanboy in the world tries to tell me that Macs get no viruses, I should totally switch to Mac. Because then I wouldn't have to worry about all the frustrations I have with Windows 10. I kind of look back at that and go, but... But why? Actually, my biggest problem with trying to, with trying to quote, switch to Mac is that I couldn't run my studio like that. I mean, I know OBS makes a Mac version, but my USB 3.0 card that I used to hook up half my gear wouldn't work. I don't know if my webcam would work properly. I'm 99% certain my GPU wouldn't work properly. And on top of that, even the old Mac Pros are super expensive. Offensively so. Let's stop talking about that. Let's instead talk about 
Facebook. Oh, Facebook, Facebook, Facebook. Oh, you so crazy. So, Facebook announced earlier this week that they want to push forward with their various projects on bringing Facebook users local news. Because, you know, in a world where nobody trusts anything Facebook says anymore, who do you want to trust for your news? Facebook. Yeah, I, I, I want to learn about that scary car crash that happened on 27th Street through Facebook. Yeah, how quickly is that going to turn into Lizardmen did it? Not that it matters, though, because, of course, Facebook has another bigger, more serious problem. Like the fact that they still have no idea what the word security means. Facebook has been caught this week storing hundreds of millions of user passwords in plain text for years. What? How? How do you... How, how are you Facebook? And you mess this up. How do you manage to be... One of the so-called technological giants? And you screw up basic information storage? Oh, wait... That's right, you're Facebook. So everyone just gives you a pass for decades. Is it decades? How old is Facebook? How old am I? Man. Regardless. All of this information, all of this sensitive, secure information, and it's been stored in plain text. Not slightly encrypted text. Not even compressed text. Not even waifu-chan text. Just plain text. But no, we, we're gonna be the freaking... We're going to be a new Facebook focused on security. You can't even protect your own passwords! For crying out loud! Oh yeah, and spoiler alert, there was more information leaking out that says that Facebook knew about the Cambridge Analytica scandal that a whole lot of people cared about except for those who were in the know and knew that Facebook leaks out that sort of stuff all the time for a little bit of cash under the table. Yeah. So, here's what I really want to know.
Will anyone who knows better ever trust Facebook? When push comes to shove, I don't think Facebook will ever actually try to do what they claim they are going to do. Because here's the thing. Nobody's leaving Facebook. I mean, not nobody. A handful of people will. I have, for example. I'm sure a number of you who have listened to me have. But the overwhelming majority of people, they aren't going to leave Facebook. Because it's one of the only ways they keep in touch with their uncle on the other side of the world. Or their friend who moved out to Montana. Or their son or daughter who's on a school trip to a different country. Until people actually say, enough's enough, it's time to stop, and actually leave Facebook to a notable degree, Facebook will continue to just do stupid stuff, continue to sell out everyone's information, continue to just Do whatever. Continue to just store your super secret password in plain freaking text. Open to anyone with a flash drive to see it. It doesn't matter. Not until we as the users say enough. And just Facebook saying we're going to be security focused is clearly not enough. They don't care. Because if they cared, they wouldn't store their passwords in plain freaking text. As the saying goes, actions speak louder than words. Their actions show they don't care. They can say whatever they want, but they clearly don't care. And if it weren't for the fact that Facebook is so big that it actually might be literally too big to fail... If it weren't for the fact they're too big to fail, I don't know how they would survive. But the only reason they're going to survive right now is because Bob Bobberson won't switch to a different platform 
to talk to his father who's several states away. Or his distant uncle who's across the Atlantic Ocean. Facebook is clearly in a weakened state, and I don't know how they could ever recover their reputation. But because they are so integrated into our lives, they will suffer nothing. And that's a shame. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, NVIDIA bringing ray tracing to the GeForce 10 and 16 graphic cards. And, of course, Google Stadia. Oh, Google Stadia. (laughs) We got a lot to talk about. How did I end up here? Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. Amigo Falcon. So, it turns out that you don't need a fancy RTX card in order to have real-time ray tracing. Microsoft has announced DirectX ray tracing. I mean, they, they announced it a year ago. But more importantly, it's been revealed that cards that do not have the ray tracing hardware built into it, can do real-time ray tracing just not as well as the RTX cards that have the ray tracing cores already built into them. So, yes, your GeForce GTX 1080 Ti can technically do ray tracing, but an RTX 2060 will still do it better. Now, that's just kind of neat and all that jazz, but, (laughs) I mean, once again, this just brings up more naming questions. Like, if non-RTX cards can, in fact, do ray tracing, why the heck is ray tracing then so important that it has to be part of... Of the freaking, of, of the freaking 2060, 2070, and 2080. Why? Why do this? It makes no sense. Now, again, we need to be clear. The RTX cards are still going to be better at ray tracing than the other ones. But it makes it super hard to justify shelling out over a thousand dollars for some of the best RTX cards out there. Makes it very, very difficult. Now, here's something that uh, that makes a lot of people go, "Why? Why would you also do this?" NVIDIA has released its 
first creator-ready drivers. So now when you update your NVIDIA drivers, you can install creator-ready drivers that are older drivers that are confirmed to be more stable for creative software. Like the Adobe Creative Suite, like Vegas Pro, what, like whatever. Pick your software. But then there's the, the NVIDIA gaming drivers that are the absolute latest and greatest that might not be as stable for those. Now, this is all nice and nice on paper and whatnot, but um, what happens when both of them brick something? Legitimate question. If the creator driver is supposed to be the more stable one, and the gaming one's supposed to be the more unstable one, but gives the latest and greatest cutting-end features... Why? What, what what do you do then? What do you do then if neither of them help? I apologize for those listening on the podcast and you just heard that engine sound. We had the window open here in the studio because it got really, really hot. I greatly apologize for that. All right, let's address the biggest story of the week, by far. The Google Stadia announcement. Okay, now, I've been talking about the various leaks and rumors about Google working on a gaming streaming service. And I kind of just meh the idea, all right? The way Google is positioning their gaming streaming service does raise a lot. Underline a A lot of questions. I am never being in the studio with my phone again. I know I told myself that. And then it just went ahead and just started responding to me. So Google Stadia is going to be a service you sign up for. And you can just hop on, pick a game, and just start playing it. The servers at Google will do all the heavy lifting of the game. And they will stream the image to you with supposed near zero latency. In addition to that, Google also says that it'll also tie in with their YouTube streaming service. In the fact that if you find a content creator on YouTube streaming that is live, you can go ahead and just press a button and just be playing that game. Or if that streamer so chooses and wants to play play against viewers, they can go ahead and just press a button and enter a queue to play against that streamer. 
And it's all because of Stadia. Alright, so, a couple of things. One, how is it going to stream a 4K 60 frames per second game to a computer? You can't just make that claim and just assume that literally everyone has a gigabit fiber link hooked up to their home and that there's going to be no interference across the entire internet between that person and your data center. Heck, just before we started recording this podcast, we did a test with the Valve Steam Link to see just how good streaming a game is. Letting a remote system do all the heavy lifting and let a dummy client like this Steam Link receive the inputs. I'm not going to lie, it was better than I thought, but there were, there were noticeable problems. There were quite a few drop frames that we were not getting when we were just hooked up directly to the machine. There was, in fact, some input lag. I'm not going to lie, there were also some hiccups starting the thing up, but, I mean, that's more on Valve's end than anything else. Now, it was not as bad as I thought. I thought this was going to be atrocious. But honestly, the Steam Link was not as terrible as I thought it was. I still am not going to use this, though. If this was a godsend, I would be hooking this up to my TV. And it would just be, oh, hey, hey, here we go. Cool little thing. Go nuts, kids. I'm going to go hook this up to Remder. And there you go. Have fun. The other thing that stands out like a sore thumb when it comes to the Google streaming service, when it comes to Stadia. The notion that content creators are going to love this and hop on this bandwagon. Hey, streamers. How many of you absolutely love not having control of elements of your stream. Don't you love that? Don't you love not being able to go and tweak little settings and make sure everything is just right so you have the best frame rate and create the best possible show for your viewers? You love not having that? Oh, you you do like having that, huh? So why would frickin' content creators like streamers actually hop on board of Stadia? Because of those little itty-bitty little conveniences? Give me a break. Now, maybe they'll find ways to get around this. 
It doesn't help at all that the world's biggest question when it comes to cloud gaming, as Neo Gunner in the chat said, is latency. And of course, you know how Google answered that? Next question. Hey, you said that a fast internet connection is required to use Google Stadia at optimum speed. What is a fast internet connection? Next question. It's a complete dodge. It is an absolute complete dodge. You know what the best part is? They said they're going to be able to do this at 60 frames per second at 4K. The hardware they showed off that they said is going to be the backbone of their server is a 2.7 gigahertz AMD processor. No other details on that. But then the details they gave on their GPU, the supposed, I want to put that in big quotes, the supposed GPU that's going to be the backbone of this is a 56 compute unit GPU. Oh, so it's going to be a Vega 56. The lowest end Vega processor that AMD has that isn't integrated into a CPU. And that's going to give you 4K at 60 frames per second. Yeah. Okay. I believe you. But of course their argument to that was we can use multiple GPUs to render a perfect image. Yeah, because AMD Crossfire gives amazing results. Amazing. Now Neil Gunner raises a good raises a good argument that oh yeah, Google Fiber will be the answer to this. It'll definitely make sure that um it'll definitely make sure that everyone has a high speed bandwidth. To which then he then argues with himself and and I would also argue as well that oh wait, no they won't because they're already pulling Google Fiber out of some key areas they tried to deploy in. Not only that, but the biggest thing right now when it comes to video game streaming, aside from Battle Royale games, is nostalgia, is retro gaming. Although you wouldn't look at it, although you wouldn't know it right now, because at this very moment, 80% of all streamers are currently streaming the new Dark Souls-esque game that I already forgot the name of and I feel super bad about it. The heck is the name of it? Somebody help me. Sekiro, there it is. Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. So what happens when Stadia goes away? What happens to all those games? They're gone. They're nowhere. So, 
if say Stadia pulls an Epic Game Store and makes sure that those games are only available on Stadia, that means that all those games would be lost forever. Much like MySpace losing more than a decade's worth of their users' music. That's all gone. That's all lost forever. Never to be seen again. What happens when Stadia does that? What happens when Stadia is no longer profitable? Up. There you go. A chunk of gaming history. Gone. Content creators are going to be reluctant to want to try this. A handful are going to try it for for funsies. But unless they get everything right, I think this has no chance. Because there are far too many people who want to have control. It's one of the reasons that self-driving cars are going to have a slower adoption rate than people are predicting. People want to have more control. Although then again, more and more people do want to not drive anymore. But, you know, that's actually a bad example. Only time will tell what happens with Stadia. I, I for one, just I have a hard time thinking this is going to catch on. Although Neil Gunner does bring up a much better point. A handful are going to try, or a handful of streamers are going to try it because Google will push sponsoring. Yeah. You win that one. And here's another unfortunate prediction. And I'm going to hate myself when I'm correct. Amazon is going to try this too. They've already been trying to push game sales with their Twitch desktop app. Which, by the way, has been a hilarious failure. They already own Twitch. Amazon is going to view Stadia as a threat to Twitch. And they are going to try and do the same blasted thing. And I can already tell you, Amazon is going to do it worse. Because anytime Amazon tries to do something amazing, they botch it. They botch it in some way, shape, or form. And this is a prediction I would not be mad if I got wrong. I'd be more mad if I got it right. Though what's helping me give that prediction is the fact that 
Walmart is also looking to do the same blasted thing as Google. <laughs> why? Why would you do this? <laughs> of all the th- why? Walmart is reporting reporting to be, <laughs> to be looking into launching a gaming cloud service branded under their own gaming brand of Overpowered, who makes mediocre and scarily subpar gaming desktops and laptops. Oh, wonderful. That's what we need. We need Walmart to get into the gaming cloud. Oh, for... You know, raise a hands real real quick. Do you or anyone you know look at the overpowered brand and go, Oh man, that's a gaming brand I trust. I don't see very many hands. Mostly because I'm staring at a blank white wall. Ugh. Although, maybe Walmart will invest a metric ton of money and get it started, and then Amazon will buy it. Will buy the overpowered gaming brand. And then and then throw their army of engineers to barely get it working. That's a horrifying thought. Let's move on to also the fact that Microsoft is also looking to do cloud game streaming. Okay, real talk, Xbox fans. Real talk for a second, you know. We've had our differences, alright? You know, I've looked at you and said, why would you get an Xbox when you can just go and build up a cheap gaming rig? I mean, for crying out loud, I literally just built one for... How much did this thing cost? What was it? About 400 bucks is what this thing cost? I can already game better than your than your Xbox One X D lols three sixty blaze it whatever the heck the highest end Xbox is. I mean, you've already got to deal with the Xbox sad, which yes. Yes, I am going to keep making fun of it for its acronym spelling out the Xbox SAD. Because it is pretty sad. But Xbox fans, you and us PC fans, we need to team up. We need to look at Microsoft, at Walmart, at Google, and collectively... Grab the Sunday paper that you might get. I know it's only three pages now. I know your Sunday paper is hilariously small. But, you know, maybe maybe grab a couple of Sunday papers. Just roll them all up. And go up to Google, Microsoft, and Walmart and go, No. No. Bad. Bad. No. Seriously. 
This all came, all this news came out in a week. We've been getting drips and drabs of it, and I'm not going to lie, I kind of laughed the whole thing off as, oh, 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 you so funny. I, I always looked at this as a a supplementary way to launch alongside user-owned hardware, but more and more. It's being talked about as the future. That the thought of having a big full tower desktop next to you that does all the computing right there and you have literally near zero latency. That that's going to be a thing of the past. No. Just, no, this needs to stop. <sighs> Here's one last terrifying thought for you. You thought the last few years of E3s were lackluster? Just imagine what this year's E3 is going to be. This year's E3 is going to be filled to the brim with everyone except Nintendo talking about how they are going to build a data center that nobody aside from me and a couple other super nerds are going to understand any of the specs they throw out. And that you won't have to have a game console there. You can have a freaking stupid little nothing box like the Steam Link, which was such an abysmal failure that Steam had to give these away for $2. Plus $4 worth of shipping. You can already see it. That is going to be this year's E3. Who wins in that? Seriously. Alright, I, I need to stop being depressed. Let's instead talk about how Nokia phones are mysteriously sending data to Chinese servers. Wait, what? So, this one kind of came out of left field, but still kind of needs to be talked about. The latest Nokia phones are sending unknown data to servers located in China. Nokia, keep in mind, is not based in China. They are based in... Oh, where, where are they? Where are they based in? Man, I am now completely blanking out of this. This is all Google's fault. My entire morning has been spent trying to gather all, all the thoughts I've had about Stadia and how it's ruining everything. Now I've forgotten where Nokia is based in. God dang it. I want to say Sweden? You know what? Here, here's an here's an easy way here's an easy way to to figure it out. Let's let's just ask 
my Samsung phone. That's a, that's a smart way to do this. Hey, Google. I'm sorry for everyone's thing I just activated. I'm an idiot. Where is Nokia based? Finland. According to Quora, it is Finland. Okay. Shut up. Shut, sh- sh- shut up, phone. You are giving me too much information. All right. Based in Finland. So why are they sending data to China? Yeah, the phones are manufactured in China, but that's no excuse. All right. Well, regardless, Nokia promises that they are looking into it and they have, they do not, they do not gather any sort of information in that regard besides for diagnostic information. And actually, yes, Neo Gunner, Nokia phones still do exist. They, in fact, launched a horrifying phone that contains five cameras on the rear. It's called, like, the Nokia PureView. Yeah, the Nokia 9 PureView. I do recommend looking this phone up. If you do nothing else today, look up the Nokia 9 PureView so that you can actually see the back of this phone. And how hilariously horrifying it looks. Because it's in like a little hexagon shape. It, it looks like it came from an alien world. It's bizarre. Alright, let's just quickly rapid fire through the rest of our, sto- rest of our stories here. Android tests have discovered that the overwhelming majority of antivirus software out for Android does literally nothing. Wow! It, 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 they even failed to actually detect malware and viruses that are infected on the phone. They didn't prevent any from being installed. They didn't detect them when they were installed. They did nothing. If you actually want to have a virus scanner of any sort on your on your Android phone, just go get one from, you know, Norton, McAfee, you know, someone who actually works in this stuff, except not Norton and McAfee because they're lackluster in the way that, God, who do you trust nowadays? Or, you know, you can just, Practice safe internet usage. Like, don't go to virus.com. Or totally legit site.ru. You know, those sort of things. It has been tested, and AT&T's fake 5GE is actually slower than Verizon and T-Mobile's 4G. This story made me laugh. For at least five minutes. That is amazing. Oh, Zyfreak in the chat actually points out most antiviruses for Android straight up can't detect infected apps because they can't because they are disallowed the ability to read the directory. Oh, that's funny. That is pretty funny. 
it's almost as funny as AT&T's 5G network being slower than 4G networks. Now, again, AT&T's 5G network is not real. It is not technologically a 5G network. Their 5GE is just 4G+. It is LTE technology that they tweaked a bit to get more bandwidth through on the LTE band. And even then, it's slower than Verizon and T-Mobile's 4G. Wow! And to make matters even worse, one thing I do keep hearing from some people who actually have to rely on mobile data in order to get internet at all is that Verizon and T-Mobile's data is not exactly all that reliable. It's not able to get, you know, a good home internet type connection to wherever you are. And I can vouch for Sprint, I can't even get close to an internet speed that I could use for, say, streaming. And the fact that AT&T's fake 5G can't even compare to that, man... Oof. Big. Oof. That is hilariously bad. And you know what the best part is? AT&T is still advertising that their 5G network is super good and totally a fu- and is totally the first nationwide 5G network, even though it totally isn't. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Lyft plans on launching its very first IPO. Lyft, if you don't know, is the competitor to Uber. An IPO means that their company is about to go public, meaning that you will be able to buy... Let me get this banner out out of my thing. There's a little political banner at the top top of my thing about some breaking news, and it's just like, no, we're, we're talking tech news now. I don't need that. An IPO means that there will be publicly traded stock for the company Lyft. Now, I have a love-hate relationship with companies like Lyft and Uber. Because I do like the fact they are giving... An everyday person, the power to go make money with their vehicle, assuming they are willing to take that risk and are willing to make sure their vehicle is in good enough condition that it's not going to, you know, be atrocious. That's not going to be like, say, my car. Or, you know, like a hoarder's car or something terrible, someone's rust bucket. But at the same time, Lyft and Uber are still in denial about what kind of service they offer. Because they continue to call it ride sharing. And it's not. You are offering people the ability to become a freelance taxi service. 
I mean, that's what it is by definition. It would be like, say, you know, actually, here's a weird example, but it would be like me making a app for, say, a semi-truck driver. Oh, for crying out loud. I'm just going to close this tab out because it just keeps bringing up breaking news banners. It would be like making a Uber app that its sole purpose is just to haul cargo. I think there actually even is one, but if there is, I digress. It would be like me launching that and saying that this is not a logistics app. It is a... What's a good way to phrase it? You know, I don't even know where I'm going with this example. The point is, is that this isn't just like a carpooling app where you're just like, oh yeah, 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 hitch a ride, I'm going that way anyway. This is literally turning people into taxis. Straight up. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And that's just the problem I have with those sort of apps. But we'll see how much lifts they will make. I don't even know. Is Uber public? You know, I'd ask my phone, but I don't want it to go rant on about the history of what companies are public and what ones aren't. Let's instead talk about the Tesla that that thought it would be a cool idea to almost slam into a lane divider. So we're moving closer and closer to a world where self-driving cars are a real thing. And, you know, that's a crazy thought, right? Yeah, it's good, except for, you know, the part where um, these self-driving cars keep making very weird choices. Like hitting a person because they were wearing dark clothing. Or slamming into a pure white semi-truck trailer and killing the driver. With air quotes around the word driver. It's clearly not a mature technology yet, but... You know, there's going to be a very low failure tolerance for this sort of thing, despite the fact that human drivers right now... It's pretty much just accepted the large amount of accidents that happen daily because of driver error. But if a machine does it, well... That's a whole other story. Because, of course, if the machine does it, that means every other machine that runs on the same software could also make the same error. And the fact that this isn't even the first time. This isn't the first time the self-driving car decided, ooh, that concrete lane divider sure looks nice, and starts steering towards it. All right, well, speaking of the future of cars, Fisker is planning on launching a $40,000 electric SUV in 2021 to compete with the Tesla model, what is it, Y? Yeah, the Y. 
And for the most part, you just kind of look at me and go, Eagle, why is this news? There is no reason this should be news. This is not news. Stop this, Eagle. You're crazy. Here's why it's news to me. There is a gauge cluster behind the steering wheel. And because of that, I say, "Ah, yes, thank you. I can't be the only one in the world that is annoyed by this. I can't be the only one that looks at the Tesla Model 3 and the Tesla Model Y and and says that, yeah, it's totally acceptable. There is no gauge cluster behind the steering wheel. Those people, no, it is not okay. It's not, period, no. Because when push comes to shove, this is not a self-driving car. Like we just mentioned, we are still years, underlying years, away from a fully successful self-driving car. That means this vehicle must be drivable. And I'm sorry, but trying to expect people who have for years been trained that every single piece of important information you need to drive your car is right below your steering right behind your steering wheel that all you have to do is while you're looking out the windshield just glance down and you could see how much fuel you have what's your range is there any problems with, with your vehicle right now how fast are you going and to be able to get that all in a glance without having to go and turn your head and look to the middle of the vehicle and then turn back up i can't be the only one who said who thinks that the gauge cluster behind the wheel is essential? I mean, if I'm crazy about this, then, I mean, fine, call me out on it. But, man, to me, this is the big deal. And funny enough, Neo Gunner just points out and people ask him if he's worried about self-driving trucks replacing him. You know, I actually even I actually did just talk about this with, with someone that um they they were saying uh, why did I try to get in into heavy-duty truck driving when self-driving trucks are on the way? And I'm like, please, they can't even drive down a straight lane, right? They might eventually figure out the straight lane, but a big 18-wheeler trying to pull into a gas station? There's no way. On top of that, who's going to fill up the truck? When it needs fuel, what what is it going to do? Spawn out little tentacle arms, grab the... um, grab the tool diesel dispensers, put it into its own tanks properly, and then punch in its numbers and everything for that? Yeah, no. No. At this rate, we are going to be years away from it. Probably even decades. Not a decade, multiple decades. Yeah, even Neo Gunner thinks it's it's 20... 20 years away. All right, let's let's move on. We're already past time. 
let's move on to the last bird, the last story of the day, the strangest story of the day. Tinder has officially ditched its hidden desirability scores. Hold on here. So, let me get this straight. I mean, Tinder, I know, gets a lot of the info about you through Facebook. So, what you're saying is... Tinder this whole time... Has been, instead of letting the viewer... The user of the app... Swipe to say yes or no. It has instead been sorting things based on what the app and its own algorithm determine is desirable for you. Alright, I I gotta ask. Were these decisions, were these scores being made by a machine or a person? And does that person have to go through a in-depth interview process to make sure that they are into what is considered the norm? Because let's be honest here. Everyone's into different things. I mean, <laughs> why even rank people? That just seems so bizarre. And honestly, the thought of a machine doing the scoring is actually even funnier to me. Especially since, you know, we live in an era right now where we can't even trust machines to to roll wheels down a straight line. This... the I know we talked about these secret scores in the past, but the fact these scores exist at all... It's just head-shaking worthy. That's going to do it for me. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Make sure to check out our daily one, The Early Burb Briefing, that airs at 4 a.m. Central Time every single weekday. You can find that on iTunes, on iHeartRadio, or anywhere you can get podcasts. In addition, make sure to check out my Twitch page at twitch.tv slash eaglefalcon. Take care and have a great day. You know, it's kind of a shame that those um, desirability scores were hidden. I would have loved to have seen those be public.
That would be amazing. You know, just, just go ahead. Just go grab, like, a plush of a Tonberry. Just hold it up to the camera. Make a profile for the stuffed Tonberry and just see what's his desirability score. According to Tinder, does my Tonberry plushie have a better chance of finding love than I do? That would be very interesting and very sad on multiple levels.